to show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Off Mass Podcast. And we're closer and closer to 200. We're at 198. So I like to say the number so that way we know I can't screw this up. So for this episode, I actually am welcoming a guest that I've been wanting to have on for a while. I just never crossed paths with them. And you know, always felt kind of awkward when he's just saying, Hey, you know, would you do this podcast? Because that, that is a thing with me. So, um, I want to welcome to the podcast, uh, one of our coaches over at Crazy 88, um, out in Elkridge, and also a newly promoted black belt as well. Congratulations on that. Uh, coach Sergio Vilas. Thank you again. Uh, yeah, recently promoted a black belt. It's been a, long road at least it feels like a long road to me i know other people have had longer roads uh shorter roads as well but you know it feels like i've been doing this for a while and it feels good to be promoted to black belt now i can kind of just stick to learning jujitsu and not worrying about the next belt true very true how long have you been training uh so this is my 10th year of jujitsu no prior martial arts before uh so as soon as i turned 18 i joined the closest jujitsu gym to me and just kept going from there okay and what you know motivated you just to just walk in was it just a random like huh i guess i want to try something different in life i want to challenge myself or you know what what led you there yeah so um when I first decided I was going to train martial arts, I wanted to be an, a professional MMA fighter. I, want, I had like dreams of getting into the UFC and stuff like that. So before I even started training, I kind of mapped out my like seven-year plan to get to that goal, uh, not knowing how hard it would be along the way. And um, definitely being at the right place is super important as well, learning from the right people my parents they were not a fan of any type of physical sport i always did i played soccer i ran track i snowboarded um but besides that i never i never did a contact sport like wrestling or football you know it was only till my senior year of high school where i finally like decided to play on the football team and then that kind of got the ball ball rolling um so i just i went with this plan that I'm going to be in the UFC or at least a professional fighter within seven years. And I also thought I'd be a black belt within seven years. Um, obviously that didn't work out. I, I had a few MMA fights, but I didn't really like the training for it, getting hit in the head uh, consistently day in and day out. So when every time I would do sport jujitsu and compete at the local tournaments, even little higher level tournaments like pans i always felt happier in the training process so then i just decided to go all in with mma or with jiu-jitsu and leave mma behind when i joined that local gym 
um, the way I started, I pretty much just did as much as I could with as little resources as I had. I had trained every single class and at the time it was just two classes. So I just, I went with this plan that I'm gonna be in the UFC or at least a professional fighter within seven years. And I also thought I'd be a black belt within seven years. Um, obviously that didn't work out, but then I just looked up the nearest place. I signed up and I just kind of fell in love with jujitsu. Um, I had a few MMA fights, but I didn't really like the training for it, getting hit in the head uh, consistently day in and day out. So when every time I would do sport jujitsu and compete at the local tournaments, even a little higher level tournaments like PANS, I always felt happier in the training process. So then I just decided to go all in with MMA or with jiu-jitsu and leave MMA behind. When I joined that local gym, um, the way I started, I pretty much just did as much as I could with as little resources as I had. I had trained every single class and at the time it was just two classes. I joined the closest gym to me at the time. I think my friend, uh, he was, he just started jiu-jitsu and he told me to go into the same gym. So then I started training and I'm sure a lot of people have had the same experience where a friend brings you in and then you just keep training and then they just, they stop training. You're the one that's left over. Um, I kind of just never looked back. I kept training every day, as many classes as I could, which at the time was only one jujitsu class and one kickboxing class a night. Uh, so as people know now, that's usually if you're sport specific, you're trying to do at least two practices a day of that specific sport. But eventually I just kind of got tired of getting punched in the head in practice. And I decided that jujitsu was way more fun. I like training for tournaments was always more enjoyable for jujitsu than it was for MMA. I was always kind of in a bad mood when I was getting ready for a fight. And then I just kind of stuck. I slowly stopped doing MMA fights and I just kept doing more and more jujitsu competitions as time went on. Yeah. The path, it seems similar to, to a few, you know, that I've talked to and even, even myself and the ideal of like, you know, you come in, you're doing, you know, one, maybe two in the beginning and then you got to pick, you got to choose. I mean, in, I could imagine, you know, trying to do both kickboxing and, and jujitsu can be taxing, you know, just mentally and physically for sure. But hey, I mean, it, it worked out. You stuck with it and you made the black belt, which, you know, a lot of folks can't say that. You know, a lot of us, we get into the sport and, you know, a lot won't even make it past white belt. You know, then there's there's always the jokes about blue belts quitting which I feel like more white belts quit. I don't know. Definitely more white belts quit than blue belts, but they're, they're definitely in second place. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's a fun joke. Cause it's like, well, the white belts quit don't count. Cause they're, they're just, you know, they're white belts. They, they may not have really cared. It's like blue, you may get a blue belt. It's like, you've committed something. So it's like, okay, you got your blue belt. Like you, you 
understand that you don't know jujitsu. You understand though the path now. It's like, okay, I gotta put these things together. And then there's also the the old joke, purple belts don't show up for warm-ups, which it's it's funny because I see all the purple belts showing up for warm-ups, and I'm like, huh, that's weird. Because I put up a lot of memes about that, and you guys are here. Don't 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 do that. My memes are funny. So but either way, um, you know, it, it, I'm I'm glad to hear though that despite not really having done any contact sports, you know, through your youth, you know, and then you get to this point, it's, it's good. Cause I, I got to imagine it's gotta be kind of jarring, you know, as you, you know, you're older, you hit 18, 19 is kind of like, okay. You know, the, like our paths are like, you know, go to school or, you know, go out, find a job, get a career and, and you know, do the, do the things that, are traditional, you know, from our parents, you know, world. And then it's like, I always talk about how in the last, I would say 15 years, people have kind of taken to just enjoying their hobbies and, and being themselves versus, you know, saying, well, I'm going to do what my, my parents told me to do. Like my parents want me to, you know, go be uh, a, a car salesman or sell insurance. It's like, now we got, you know, folks out here like, I want to go into martial arts. So I want to be a ninja because that's what I say about all of you, especially the coaches. Like, you guys are like ninjas. Like, you guys are like one day just woke up. I was like, I think I want to be a ninja when I grow up. And here you are, a ninja. So when you uh, kind of started the journey of wanting to become an MMA fighter, you know, going in, what knowledge did you really kind of have? coming in with you know was it just watching mma fights and then thinking like okay you know you know see the guy standing and banging it's like you know as you said you're in kickboxing was it primarily in your head i want to go out there and be a striker and then you just kind of rolled into jujitsu or did you kind of have an ideal like look i I know it's got to be a package deal it's not just all one or the other yeah i think at the time uh, definitely, I wanted to do both. I always enjoyed like messing around, watching random YouTube videos on like random submissions and trying them out on my friends. And then even like just friends that wrestled, trying to out wrestle them, even though I had no wrestling experience. Um, I always found myself doing that randomly. <laughs> so I always liked jujitsu. I always wanted to learn jujitsu. I even did. Uh, a wrestling tournament right before I joined my local jiu-jitsu gym because my friend was trying to talk me into joining the wrestling team for my senior year of high school. So I did like two preseason practices with him. And then I went to this wrestling tournament with no experience at all, pretty much, and went against like two state champions. I think one was a New Jersey state champ, and then the other one was a PA state champ. And I I got destroyed. (laughs) It was, it was rough. I've never been so exhausted. And so I felt like I was so out of shape, which I don't know how in shape I was at the time, but it still feels like one of the most exhausting things I've ever done. But yeah, when I, when I first joined striking was always fun. I, I liked, um, throwing a lot of kicks and had more of like a karate style. That was, that was, part of my game it was mostly use kicks to you know if they 
check or like catch a kick, take it, take me down off of it. Then I would have pretty good jujitsu on the ground as well. Um, like my last MMA fight was in 2020 and that's pretty much all I did. Just teeps down the middle, um, looking for some leg kicks and eventually hoping that they would take me down. I think I actually took the guy down. Um, but I was hoping it ends up on the ground. So I, my jujitsu can just like take, take over and finish the fight from there. Most of, most of my fights, um, all ended by either submission one ended by TKO, but that was a kickboxing fight. So there's no possibility of, um, submission, but that, yeah, that's pretty much how it started. I was always interested in jujitsu, never did it. And then MMA kind of pulled me in and then i just wanted to do everything it's like you, you get in in the door it's like oh my god look at all this stuff what do you think you're doing like what is that sambo all right i want to do that wrestling give me some jiu-jitsu yeah i like it like oh kickboxing muay thai boxing it's like hey whoa 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 slow down slow down let's let's you know take our time with it all it's like a kid in a candy store seriously um, that's what it felt like when it comes to your uh, grappling style, how would you describe it? So when it comes to my grappling style, I have a interesting style, I would think. Um, very counter submission oriented. Uh, I'm looking for counters off of other people's offense. But then uh, I've been working a lot on just my initiating my own offense especially on the feet i spent a year um just pulling guard in competition never pulled guard prior so i i try to develop my guard for a year um and then just working on a bunch of different things but i would say mostly my my game is like counter submission oriented counter um a lot of counter attacking i like to move off of people's initial setups and find openings for myself but for the most part it's all just submission oriented i don't care as much i'll i'll be patient in cer certain tournaments to make sure i can score but for the most part i'm always looking for a submission how to open up a person's guard or wh whatever position they're in so i can find a submission myself and then i'm also pretty pretty hard to submit as well uh, i usually like doing submission only events but overall i don't think i am specifically just in one group whether like it's guard passing or leg locker or whatever i'm kind of a little bit in all over the place with your uh grappling style being a competitor uh yourself specifically there there's always a lot of talk about different styles of grappling whether it be uh sport jiu-jitsu self-defense jiu-jitsu um you know things of that nature like what are your thoughts on like you know when, when folks were saying basically like you as a black belt and, and you're a competitor, but then people are like, Hey, that, that wouldn't work in the streets. Like, how do you feel about like, uh, the different, uh, I guess variations versus self-defense versus competition. 
uh, versus just, you know, casual hobbyists as well um, when it comes to grappling? Well, when it comes to self-defense versus sport jujitsu, MMA jujitsu even, um, I think it's important to know that whatever, for the most part, there's naive people, but for the most part, whatever you're thinking, I've also thought out too. I'm not going to pull guard and try to like Imanari roll someone on the street. I've also fought MMA, so I have that um, background as well. But for the most part, it's usually like very early stage jujitsu when people are thinking that way like this would never work in the street um but you know a double leg works pretty well <laughs> i'm not gonna i'm definitely if you don't learn any uh stand up you there's still useful jujitsu on the ground because if you get knocked down obviously there's a hundred things that can happen but besides having like a weapon nothing there's no martial art that's going to protect you if someone's like there's a bunch of people kicking you on the ground you know um so those arguments i just i think they're silly it's it's good to know how to defend yourself it's also smart to like know how to stay out of those situations i've grappled for 10 years and i've never I've, you know, I've went out with my friends and stuff like that, and I've never been in a fight. <laughs> I've never even been, I've been around a fight, like maybe once or twice. And that's, that's pretty much it. So as long as like, I just keep myself out of it and I've fought in a cage before. There's just like, I don't know, there's no point to it. And uh, the argument like that would never work in the streets. Like, of course, I know that um, <laughs> my, my false reef probably is not going to be the best option in the streets i'll probably just if i'm on the ground i'll try to either wrestle up sweep them get up and run or whatever you know yeah there's a post i put up maybe last year was jocko saying your best defense in a street fight is to run yeah and so many people like i don't i don't like to put post up or negative comments that that's been a topic of discussion on my other podcast. You know, you know, when do we get to this point of like, everyone's got something negative to say, but that was a post that got a lot of negativity and people are like, Oh, that's a coward's way out and blah, blah, blah. I bet you, he says that in an interview, but he wouldn't do that in real life. And it's like, look, man, I mean, it is the smartest thing. Just don't be there. You know, you know there's no sense in trying to prove like that, you know, whichever martial art you're doing, you know, will work in a street fight because when people are like, oh, well, you know, if, if you got someone, let's say you do get to the ground, you know, and you're you're containing somebody at the very least, not even necessarily fighting, but just, you know, trying to keep, you know, someone from doing any further damage to anyone else. You're like, well, what if they do this? And it's like, well, I mean, they could do that. I mean, like, like what if they try to hit you in the balls? It's like, I could hit them in the balls too. Like, just because I train doesn't mean I'm like, I'm like, ultimately, I don't want to hurt anyone. I don't think, you know, I think people who don't have experience with violence don't understand it. Well, they have experience. I, sh I shouldn't say that. There are people who there's uh, some 
video I heard recently or a few months back about Jimmy Fallon. They're like, oh, he's a fighter. Like this guy can scrap. And it's like, maybe, (laughs) you know, he, you know, but I also feel like those type of people like, yeah, you can beat up your local guy at the bar, I guess, and get yourself hurt and being goofy. But also it's like, you don't really understand violence. You don't understand those consequences that could come with that. You could seriously hurt somebody. You could potentially kill somebody or hurt yourself or get killed. And, you know, if a weapon gets involved, because people have pride, you know, folks, you know, you, you open hand slap somebody and they're like, oh, I'm going to get a weapon. Yeah. Like, so it's just best to avoid it if you can. Yeah, the same way that they're thinking of like, oh, I would just bite you in this situation. Someone else is thinking something different and maybe like, you know, way more aggressive. And the time this happens a lot with newer students um, from learning as a coach, just like the random questions you get throughout the years. Usually you get questions while you're demonstrating a technique and someone's just or even while they're drilling the technique and they're like, oh, well why wouldn't I just do this and this and this? Like, usually we have moves that go counter towards that, or you wouldn't do this just because you probably wouldn't even attempt it in that time. You, you've sat and thought about it for five plus minutes at this point. Uh, if you thought about that within two seconds, then you could actually perform it live. And then you'd have to drill that reaction uh, know that reaction and then there's a dozen other ones that you'd have to do as well so the same we're, especially when it comes to those like random scenarios in street fighting a lot of the things you think about doing or like the untrained person thinks about doing we we also think the same way like if this guy is gonna grab my hair like i can grab his hair too i can grab his jeans i can punch him in the balls. I can do whatever, whatever you're thinking about. I can do too. I just probably wouldn't bite him. Cause I don't want that in my mouth. Pause. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I was a wild kid growing up. So when I would get into fights as a kid, I would bite people. And then as I got older, I was like, that's probably not a good thing. Just if you break skin and there's blood and also, then it's like, then it became that thing, though, too. It's like, well, if I could do it, they can do it, too. And I don't want that to be done to me. So I'm not going to do it to you. And then I just grew up. I just matured. I was like, maybe I shouldn't just, like, let's not fight. That, that's probably the best course. Why don't I go learn how to fight so then I don't have to fight? And for me, learning jujitsu has given me the confidence to just be able to talk my way out of situations, like, be able to, you know, talk with confidence and knowing that, Hey, we don't have to do this. Let's de-escalate the situation verbally, but it's always good to know, like, look, if, if you like put your hands on me or my family, at least I know I can probably like kind of wrap you up and keep you from doing any further damage. Hopefully. I mean, a lot of people out there are training now, so you never know. And I think that's a good thing though. Cause I think, you know, a lot of people who are seriously training think the same thing. They don't want to fight. They're like, you know, I've been doing this shit all day. I don't want to go out to the bar now and, and then fight. I just want to go out to the bar and hang with my friends, you know. But there there are knuckleheads, though. If I wanted to fight, I would just go back to practice. Yeah. Exactly. 
Yeah. And if I want to beat up someone that's untrained, then I would just go and grab one of the new white belts. You know, it's I don't need to do it out where like anything could happen. I could just like slip and hit my head on the back of a table. Mm-hmm. I mean, that can also happen in competitions as you see once in a while. We're going off the mats. Yeah, it, there, I remember uh, right before COVID, we had a, a guy come in. He's never done any sports before, nothing athletic ever in his life. Uh, I want to say he was like 29, possibly 30. Just he, he was not an athlete. And there's nothing wrong with that. And they paired me with, paired me up with him and said, hey, could you, you know, work with this guy? And I did. And, you know, it, it was it was good. You know, he, he was willing to learn. He was receptive. But then he come back to later classes like, hey, I was looking at this video on YouTube as we're learning, like, you know, that we were learning just like, you know, opening the guard. He's like, well, I saw this on YouTube. Why wouldn't we just do this? It's like, so when we went to live, Roland's like, OK, you can try that on me. And they, I mean, it's not that it wouldn't work. It's just like this is actually what we're working on today. There's a time and place for that. But what you're trying to do, you haven't drilled it at all. And they're like little nuanced things to that, that, that would help you there. So let's just stick to what we're learning here in the room. And, you know, the YouTube stuff is fine to look at. I post a lot of it, like, you know, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, listen to your coaches, you know, listen to the team, work, work with them. And, you know, eventually get to that point where you just embrace all of it. And you're like, I don't want to go out and, you know, be a chucklehead on the street. And then, you know, but I think there are those, you know, when you first start, you, you run into those white belts, you know, they've been doing it for three months. Like I do jujitsu, like I can kick anyone's butt. It's like you can't even get a double leg like properly. So no, you probably can't do relax. Hey, go eat some, some mozzarella sticks. <laughs> yeah. Um, you see that a lot with the, the newer people. They get a lot of confidence very early on. Um, usually those people that have like overinflated egos, they gain a ton of confidence just from learning a few, a handful of moves. Uh, they usually don't last that long anyway. Um, the ones that make the switch, then, you know, you have to make like a mental shift, uh, in order to stay in jujitsu, you know, cause it's inevitable. You're going to get beat up. It just, if you're not, then you might as well be Gordon Ryan without ever training. You know, and he obviously has trained a ton in order to get to the place he's at. So it just doesn't happen. You're you're gonna have to take your losses in the gym, and they're not even losses in training. So just thinking of them as losses is like not helpful at all in terms of your uh, overall progression. I absolutely agree. I, I had to work through that for a while at one point I would come home after getting just slaughtered and I was like dude I, like I'm just getting my ass kicked every class like like I'm losing and I'm losing and my wife actually like broke that down to me she was like well are you learning anything like are you are you taking anything away from it like it was like well I mean yeah you know each time something happens I, I avoid it but then they come with something new she's like okay well you're learning you know, and then there's the saying, you know, in jujitsu, you don't lose, you learn. And it was like, and of course, after she said that, I saw that 
that saying somewhere. I was like, oh shit, my wife knows things. Like she, she, she is she a secret ninja? She's not. Like I've been trying to get her to train. <laughs> she just won't. She won't. But she did let me work uh, reverse Delahiva on her last week, and I was super like, like, oh my god, is this the first step? She's like, no, I don't like the way your like your foot is hooking on my thigh right now. Your toes are poking me, so I don't like this. I was like, damn it. That should have started with a different position. Yeah, it was like, yeah, should have been like, okay, um, let's try. I don't know, like, you know, just fifty fifty. Like yeah. in your foot. Like, oh, this isn't terrible. <laughs> I got your heel hook. Um well, so you mentioned, you know, just over the years coaching and and getting you know, just questions, you know, as, as the technique is being drilled or even just as you're demonstrating, um, what's the, like, if you can remember, like, what's the, like, I guess, I don't want to say goofiest, but like wildest question that maybe have come out of any of those. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a tough question. There's been a lot, um, you know, almost nine years of teaching at this point. I started at Blue Belt <laughs> teaching classes, but the questions just kind of, you know, they get worse as you, not worse, but you hear more as uh, you get higher and higher in rank. The, one of the worst questions I've had was just, again, it, it relates to the street fighting stuff. Like, how, how would this work? Because we were in the gi if uh, they had a t-shirt and then the t-shirt rips, you know? And, like, I'm only going to do no gi because, you know, you've heard it before. I'm only going to do no gi because that's the closest to, like, the streets. Um, but we we lived in, I lived at the time in New Jersey. So it gets really cold there in the winter. And everybody has, like, these thick winter coats pretty much all winter long those probably not going to rip then you also have jeans on so gi is actually pretty applicable to the that outfit choice obviously here um a little more down south it doesn't get as cold still gets cold once in a while but most people are in sweatshirts so yeah i guess you could have that argument there um but yeah that's one of the dumbest questions i've had because it's like, how could I do this move? Pretty much asking me, how can I do what we're doing in Nogi? Because if it was like summertime, if someone's wearing a tank top or a shirt and shorts, I wouldn't be able to do this move. I'm like, you just need to kind of learn basic technique. And then we can think about those situations later on. You shouldn't be trying any of this out in the street. I don't know why you're even, that's like the first thing you're thinking about. Like how you're going to fight some dude in a tank top on the beach or something. They're, they're probably thinking, you know, you know what I'm doing this weekend? Hold on. Let me go to class and ask this question. Like I got plans. It's like you should cancel those plans, dude. Just don't do it. I, I think, you know, when people even think that, you know, the whole gee versus no gee argument, you know, there's a preference, obviously. I, th I think when I started, I started no gee and then when I put on a gi, I was like, I think I like this and I think I'm going to stick with this. But I like to go to no gi every so often just to because it's all grappling. As, as Coach Keith once you know, said to me, he's like, whether it's gi or no gi, it's all grappling. You know, yes, there are differences, you know, again, with your grips and stuff. But 
you know, you know, people were like, well, I, I like no gi because like nobody's walking around in a gi in the streets. Like, but just your point there is like, it, you know, people in coats, I mean, sweatshirts, you have grips and, you know, and even with no gi, I mean, you still have grips. It's just, they're not a part of the clothing. So, you know, the argument for that is always very divided. And I'm just like, dude, why can't we just love jujitsu? That's the thing. Yeah. T- too much division. I-, I think that's just what, what we do as humans. Though. We're like, oh, you, oh, you like Michael Jackson? Well, I like Prince. Okay. Well, I, I, I like Prince also. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> wants you to pick a side. And for most people, there there is no side, gi or no gi. Um, I don't mind the gi. I don't compete in it because I'm trying to just specialize in no gi. Um, so there's a lot I have to learn. And if I'm using that learning time to understand like different grips and all this, um, you know, all that goes into learning the gi, that that's useful, you know, <laughs> mental space or, uh, you know, attention pretty much just like focus on nogi like i'm wasting not wasting it's such a bad word to say wasting i hate using that word because it's not a waste to learn a skill but right now it's kind of time sensitive in just like athletic prime and you know just being able to do as much as i can in the time i have uh you know being able to compete as an athlete because eventually like there's masters tournaments and stuff but uh competing in the adult division there there's a timer on that so i want to just spend as much time in like very um specific focus on the nogi part of jujitsu and then later on down the line i will train pretty much 50 50 or i hear a lot of people say as um they get older they enjoy the gi more because you can slow it down you don't have all that movement and that no gi kind of requires that's understandable i'm i'm in that older stage of life and i'm like i'm leaning more into gi just because of that control Mm -hmm. i do like the the gi in that regard but no gi is fun when it comes to grappling and you know kind of staying in the i guess self-defense kind of pocket a little bit if you had like a relative like a you know like a little cousin or something you know that's that's being picked on or like hey you know cousin sergio can you you know show me something to you know at least kind of defend myself like stand up for myself you know against these bullies what would be something you would show that that little cousin like that that wouldn't kill anyone that you know just kind of you know gives them a little bit of base to their voice i I guess uh i would definitely i would show them a couple things i would show them how to escape the bottom of mount that's essential i would show them how to do maybe an arm bar or a triangle controlled um from close guard you know a way where you don't get stacked where you grab the leg and you can't get stacked or lifted and slammed even i would probably teach them 
just like how to keep their hands up, you know, just like protecting themselves at all times. Maybe a, a teep. I really like the teep as a range. Um, and then maybe, maybe a double leg or something like that, or some kind of um, upper body judo throw, maybe like an Osotogari. You know, very hard to do against a skilled trained opponent, but very easy to do against someone that doesn't know anything. Kind of just like throw them over. So probably those basics, I think having a, a triangle is pretty nice just because put someone to sleep. An armbar is a little harder because if you fall over, you get in a bad position if you don't do it properly. So, but definitely those like four or five essential things I would teach uh, if I had a little cousin that asked me. I always think about you know, my cousins, when we used to wrestle growing up and it's always natural, you know, certain movements, but as we've gotten older, we all have kids and we watch them wrestle. And it's like, okay, you know, he's telling his kid how to do this. I'm like, okay, well, look, I'm going to tell you how to do this. Cause at least I know some shit <laughs> like <laughs> that guy over there doesn't know anything. He just knows me beating him up as a kid. And, you know, it's like, Mm-mm. remember i'm the big cousin he's the little cousin so don't 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 listen to your dad listen to me so as a competitor you do you know like you know super fights you know big matches and stuff like that what was that like for you you know first stepping out there uh you know where it's not like a ibjjf tournament or a naga tournament or anything you know but it's like you know like a fight to win or or something like that what what was that experience like in the beginning for you? And then how does it compare now, you know, as far as like nerves or anything or just, you know, just jitters? So I actually didn't do many IBJJFs until I didn't do any until I got to Blue Belt. And then I think I only did two and they were both majors. I I thought I didn't know at the time. I wish um, I had someone telling me that at the time when I was coming up, but I started just like winning every Naga that I competed at. And then like any, I only did, I think one or two grappling industries also winning those. And I just, I thought that was enough. I thought that was like, I'm the best. <laughs> I did it. Uh, and then I went on to like my first major, which was the Nogi Pan. I was a blue belt probably for a year or two at that point. And I, I made it to the the semifinal round where I ended up getting triangled. And that was the first time I ever got submitted in competition or even lost a competition. So that was, that was difficult to deal with. I kind of just blamed it on not knowing how to cut weight because I didn't know how to cut weight. I, I got to IBJJF. That was the first time I ever competed for them. So I didn't know that they did the instant weigh in go compete thing yeah so me cutting whatever it was to medium heavy um i was like i didn't eat for like 24 hours i barely even drank water i think i was spitting into a water bottle to get the last couple pounds off or the last pound and then i just went and competed i felt terrible almost threw up <laughs> after the first two matches and then i had my third match uh, but 
that was just definitely experiencing higher level competition, which in my brain should have had a mental shift right off of that to like start training or taking training a little more seriously, like lifting at the gym and doing conditioning. Cause I didn't do any of that before that even happened. And I still didn't do it afterwards because I blamed it on the bad weight cut. Um, but then after all that, like I, I got onto a few local super fight cards where it was just a one match. And I started to like that a lot because it was submission only. Um, the biggest one I went to was where I actually sold tickets was Kasai. I was a, a purple belt and I competed in one of their tournaments. And then they actually had uh, someone have to pull out and I got put on the undercard against some random person that I think did well in the tryouts for the professional uh, to get onto the pro card. Anyway, I had 24 hours to make that <laughs> wait that uh, they just said get as close as possible. I didn't I didn't make 185, but I, I got to like 189 or something the day before. So uh, then I that was the first big stage and I wasn't super nervous just because it was a uh, short notice getting there, knowing about the fight 24 hours beforehand and then just, you know, going and competing. It was a cool experience. Actually, that was the first time I ever met Craig Jones. Um, he was on that Kasai. He was in the pro card, obviously, but I did the undercard. It was a pretty neutral experience for like anxiety and nerves and all that stuff. I didn't really feel a ton just because of that short notice call. But then uh, fast forward a couple years later, I'm also on a Kasai big stage like uh, i think it's it was somewhere in new york city it was a really cool venue and i went against trator uh one of at the time he was a marcelo garcia black belt he placed second at adcc later that year um and i had a super fight against him that one i was definitely a little more nervous for because i'm i just got my brown belt i'm going against this black belt who's pretty seasoned um, and then I, I have to sell tickets. Then I have friends and family coming to watch me. It'd be the worst thing in the world if I lost because they don't understand what <laughs> winning the, you know, Brasilero means at black belt. They're like, okay, he won a tournament, but that's like a huge tournament to win at black belt. Uh, so I was definitely a little nervous for that, but I ended up winning in like the golden score. So we, we ended up tying the match and then Kasai did a overtime round where the first person to score wins and submissions in or submission attempts in Kasai scored points. So that's, that's how I ended up beating him. But that was probably like one of my earliest super fights. I didn't do a ton, maybe a handful of them before. And then that i definitely got nervous for but since i've done so many since then it just super fights are way more relaxed than you know a full tournament bracket you know of of like basically super fight contenders i could 
a lot of times you sign up for the black belt division and like obviously um i'm still recently new to the black belt division but just like looking at the tournaments i want to do there's big names you could have a super fight against any one of the guys so um the super fights definitely for me at least the there's not as much pressure as the tournaments just because it's a lot more matches uh, and they're all tough guys so but i'm looking forward to the season it's going to be fun good good have in you have you competed at black belt uh yet or you're yeah. uh you have i just i just competed my first uh my first event at black belt was the quintet event and they had in florida i was on a team with uh ethan renee kieran and sean we i thought it was a pretty cool experience it was really cool to just like talk hang out with the guys and talk about jujitsu with all these like elite black belt athletes like all of them have competed at black belt they're very successful at black belt um all insanely talented and then the event itself wasn't as wasn't uh what i was expecting and then i got to go against a pretty high level black belt hunter colvin he was my first match or the only match i had but we we were matched up against each other to begin um it was a it was a fine match like it it wasn't anything special we kind of just like canceled canceled each other out i don't know if you saw maybe not but there's like a a video going around of some guy getting taken down a flight of stairs like at a tournament so that guy is me <laughs> uh the stage was super small at the event and we didn't have a ton of mat space so me and hunter being pretty big guys we were constantly like pushing the edge of the mat because we were both standing on our feet and he times a pretty good double but if you've seen any of my prior matches i have dozens of videos that have me doing this move where i just like overhook turn my hips like especially with that match with the venetius that's a perfect example because the first time we had a match together he had a super deep double leg on me lifting me up and i still get back to my overhook i'm on the feet and then i hurry and throw them and i step over into mount i didn't hold them out too long but uh there's so many examples of me doing that which is exactly what i was planning to do to hunter but i as soon as i stepped with my the only foot on the ground it was going down a flight of stairs and then he, he just kept going he kept driving through it uh i mean i don't blame him for it but there's a lot of people you know saying like oh my god this happened to you uh, like they feel like it was a bad it did, it wasn't bad because i didn't get it wasn't there's was no score it was a submission only match so getting taken down wasn't a big deal but then also not being able to defend it at all because my footing was already down the stairs was a little interesting that's never happened to me before um but i don't i have nothing against hunter like I, I understand it. We, we were very cool with each other after the match. During the match, um, as I was going down the stairs, one, 
the stairs were way softer than I expected. <laughs> to <laughs> Hunter, we, we just kind of looked at each other and we laughed uh, that like this is kind of ridiculous that this even happened. Uh, he almost goes to help me up. Like I see him reach his hand out and then he remembers that we're competing against each other. And he like rips it away and he just like runs back up the stairs and uh, cheers on the crowd. But that was pretty, it was a cool experience just being a part of that team. Um, but the event itself was a little like, underwhelming uh just because i thought a 15k tournament with all these like really high level athletes we would have one a bigger mat space two a ref that was actually paying attention to the match and maybe like doing the job that he's supposed to do which is take care of the athletes safety um because that could have been bad but it wasn't bad so I, in the moment i wasn't really worried or even upset about it and again nothing against hunter i probably wouldn't have done the same thing but many people would have done the same thing because i would go to uchimata him later in the match where he does the same thing right after the stair incident he tries to shoot the same double leg and i overhook and turn and go to uchi him but the ref immediately then is saying like stop because we're going into the chairs which i don't continue mm -hmm. finishing the takedown um and like why why would i because it's again it's a submission only match i'm not going to score off of it it's not super important whether or not um i finish that takedown especially if we're going into the chairs like one of us is probably going to get hurt yeah i mean it's good to have that awareness too though just you know it's competition and everything but at the end of the day it's like look we're here to grapple on the mats. You know, these stairs and these chairs ain't part of that. You know, let, let's let's keep them out of it. You know, and, you know, especially I, I don't know. Stairs in general are wild. So I don't know. Like I, I fall down the stairs a lot at home, more than any person should fall down the stairs. So like I, I can only imagine as, that I mean you said they're softer than than you know you would think, but I don't know, man. It's going down some stairs like okay. Wasn't expecting that today. I didn't think I was going to make this trip for that trip, but okay, here we are. But I'm glad you're okay, though. Yeah, me too. It was. I wasn't thinking about it in the moment, but then in hindsight, it like could have been bad. But luckily, it wasn't. Uh, I'm completely fine from that. You know, I was able to finish the match and keep going. So it was. It was a cool first match at Black Belt. You know, it wasn't really a big deal. Obviously, it would have been really cool if we won the whole thing, but that wasn't. Nobody was able to secure a submission in regulation. We all got eliminated, and then it's uh, up to the overtime rounds, which, yeah, you know, I don't know. The quintet style is uh, different because jujitsu is such an individual sport. You're always just fighting for yourself, and then you have to fight for a team. So then a little bit more pressure gets put on you because you want to you want to do well for your team you don't want to give up a submission you know so it kind of restricts a little bit of your own movement but it was cool <laughs> yeah it, it, quintet is interesting to watch it, it's you know when people talk about jujitsu and you know trying to elevate it to you know a spectator sport now for you know for the casual 
I think Quintet is fun in that regard. Um, you know, just seeing it on a, a UFC Fight Pass, you know, they've had like, you know, UFC versus Pride versus WEC, you know, and and it's always interesting to see, you know, kind of the matchups that they have and then, you know, how they how they do match up. But I, I think also, too, like you said, jiu-jitsu is such an individual sport. I mean, you have your team behind you in terms of just like, you know, who you train with. But primarily it's you you're on the mat. You know, you're you're here to get the points or get the submission, you know, whatever it may be. But in quintet, it's, you know, almost kind of like, you know, trying to, you know, it's like you go out there, you do your part, you know, kind of to set the you know, set the table for, you know, the next person or, you know, whatever. But it, it does seem kind of like, eh, it's got to be a, an odd experience, you know, to say the least. But for people like us watching it, it's like, eh, it seems okay. It seems <laughs> fine. Like, except for that guy going down the stairs. Like, that, that doesn't seem like it's fine, but, you know, it's fine. So as a competitor... And, and just haven't done all the competitions that you have done. Is there any one competition that stands out as one that, you know, you kind of hold in just kind of a more pride for it or a higher regard versus, you know, any of your other competitions? Hmm. Yeah, there's definitely that. That last year, um, 2022, uh, I competed at the Worlds. I placed second. Uh, I lost to Jacob Couch. It could have been a, a better match. I, I made a mistake towards the end of the match that I shouldn't have made. But uh, that's the year before wasn't as clean as the 2022. I feel like I got no recognition for it, but still, yeah, I'm still proud of the performance I put on. I was able to submit like all my opponents in the first two minutes of the match. Maybe, maybe one of them went three minutes or something like that. But I, I demonstrated a lot of control and skill, especially that being funny enough. <laughs> that was the first tournament that I ever pulled garden. I just decided that the Nogi Worlds was the perfect time to attempt <laughs> to pull guard. And uh, it went pretty well. I think it was, it looked a lot better than the previous year. I've also, I got a lot better from one year to the next. Um, besides that tournament, I just think about the level of competition because there are other competitions where maybe I submitted more matches and I, I got a gold medal, but the quality of the, the opponents wasn't as tough or, you know, so I would probably just put that Nogi 2022 Worlds as one of my most proud performances right now. I, I definitely want to do way better than that. I, I look to chase gold at any tournament and mostly the Nogi Worlds and, of course, like the ADCC Trials. And then... ABCC, but again, like right now, the focus isn't so much on the competition itself. It's mostly on the the matches I'm getting, like the 
what opponents I'm facing. I'm I just want to have good matches against really high level opponents and just be able to test myself and continue to get as good as I possibly can get in the next four to seven years of competing, you know, whatever it may be. But I'm just looking to compete for fun, obviously, as a professional grappler, but looking to have fun in my time uh, competing. Sure. I feel like if you're doing anything and you're not trying to have fun with it, then why are we doing it? Yeah. It's like, it just doesn't make sense. At least to me, it doesn't. So before we wrap up and get out of here, I've been, I used to ask these questions, you know, to, to most folks and I kind of got away from it. I like going back to it from time to time. And I like to, you know, ask, you know, yourself now, as a seasoned veteran, as a black belt now, you know, you're talking to white belt Sergio coming into the doors. Um, what's some advice that you would give, you know, a younger uh, Sergio just entering into jujitsu that that you probably, you know, as you think about it, it's like, man, I wish I would have known this then. And I just, you know, you know, you, you catch on to it much, much later in your career. I would say that I need to study more, I need to drill more, and I need to add resistance sparring through those positions that I'm trying to learn, just because I remember that it took me so long to work on certain moves because I would only try to do them in live sparring. So it would take me months to get a certain move or sequence down just because i was learning from random people like random black belts that i met that would come to my gym or that i met in the city or i'd learn a technique here and then i would just try to i didn't have an efficient way of learning moves so if i could tell younger me or white belt me and this goes to any white belt you have to put in the time and effort if you want to get good at jujitsu. You have to study. You have to learn from your coach. You have to drill. And by using all of that, you're going to start to speed up and progress much faster than you normally would if you just attend a normal class. You can learn a lot from attending a normal class, but if you want to be a high-level competitor, you got to do the extra work studying, drilling, resistance sparring, taking notes, filming your own sparring sessions and being able to critique yourself, bringing that to your coach and, you know, working together with your coach as, um, as a team, you know, all that would be super helpful. And the last thing I would tell white belt me is you're not more special than anyone else on that mat you have to go and work out and you have to do your conditioning you know just because you're more physical at this moment in your life doesn't mean you can neglect the other parts uh that go into grappling which is you know having good cardio uh good muscle endurance make sure you're having uh 
good recovery days, good nutrition, all that stuff. Pretty much to sum it up, I would say start acting like the professional before you become the professional. Nice. That that's I like that. That that spoke to me just now. That made me feel like, damn, I needed that. Thank you. <laughs> I even need that sometimes. Very, very helpful information. So thank you for that. Um, so we're going to go ahead and wrap on that because that was awesome. Sergio, thank you for doing this again. I really do appreciate your time and your patience with the technical difficulties. I think we got it sorted, though. Um, before we get out of here, do you have any shout outs or mentions that you'd like to leave us with? Uh, nothing, really. I just uh Again, thank you for having me. This was this is fun. It's the first podcast I've ever done. So definitely a cool experience. I I enjoyed being on and uh, answering your questions and talking with you. Uh, if you don't follow me, follow me at Sergio Vilas on Instagram. It's just my full name. And besides that, looking forward to competing at the West Coast Trials in about six or seven weeks i think we're like six weeks out at this point so looking forward to compete and testing myself once again thank you again for having me absolutely and thank you for for making the time and i'll uh, make sure to you know get your uh handle in the show notes and as always to the listeners thank you if you have any questions concerns criticisms anything feel free to reach out to me. You can find me at bjj.wiki on Instagram or off the mats podcast on Instagram. I have a lot of accounts, but those are the main ones I'm at, you know, so y'all got questions, reach out. You want to be a guest on the show, reach out. You know, I've had people just shoot me random emails like, Hey man, can I be on the show? And I'm like, yeah. Like, like, like when do you want to do it? Can you do it tomorrow? Okay. You can do it tomorrow. So I'm, I'm, I'm very receptive to anyone that wants to come on. Just, don't come on with any surprise topics because I got hit with one of those once and it was a heavy one and I didn't know how to respond, but it went over well. I want to give a big shout out to my crew over there at Nerd Rage Radio, Bobby, Chris, Joe, Marilyn Phil. Sorry, I had a brain fart. I couldn't remember my crew. Uh, Marilyn Phil, Ricky Tiki, all the guys. If you make it this far every week, you know their names. So. We love those guys. If it weren't for Nerd Rage Radio, I would not be doing podcasts. That's where I got my start, and I had to branch off on my own because they didn't want to talk about jujitsu. So whatever. Also, want to give a shout out to my other podcast. So you like horror? If you're into scary movies, go check it out. This year we're talking about cursed films, and not movies that like you know about curses. We're talking about films that have you know a history of funky stuff happening behind the scenes that may be perceived as the shooting was cursed like poltergeist as an example go check that out and you know we got some other things down the pipeline we just dropped the nightmare on elm street episode we got horror comedy coming up found footage coming up so there's a lot of a lot of fun pieces to the horror genre that we're going to be dancing with in 2024 and last but not least i want to give a big shout out here to coach sergio over here thank you for making the time thank you for your patience thank you for sharing your, your wisdom and, and what you've gathered over the last 10 years of your grappling career. We greatly appreciate you. And, you know, we're, we're, we're behind you, you know, when it's time to go out there and compete again, you know, 
we're going to be over here cheering loud and proud for you as well. So thank you for that. And otherwise, everyone, as usual, you guys keep listening and we're going to keep making these shows. Thank you, everyone. And goodbye. They promise it. Now let me see his song.